Tonight we're going to be going through the book of Psalms. I want to invite you to open your Bible to the book of Psalms chapter now 20. Psalms chapter 20. And the title of today's message is the covenant of God. The covenant of God or the promises of God. We saw here in the last two chapters last week in the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 18 and 19 that David is crying out to God in worship. And the focus of those psalms were a focus that was now given over to the Lord only for what he graciously did for David. But not only does it talk about what he did for David, it talks about what he can do for you and what he can do for me, what he can do for us, especially in the times that we're living in, if we trust him and if we obey. Now notice this, David was trusting the Lord, he was obeying him and he was able to see the hand of God, the powerful hand of God, ready to deliver him. And I noticed that as we went through chapter 19, if you really just focus on verses 13 and 14, because David knew the hand of God, he said, Lord, thank you for what you've done in my life. Keep me back from sin. I want to live a holy life that is honoring you. I want to be pleasing in your sight. And I want to just encourage you right now, church, in the times that we're living in, that you would be pleasing in the sight of God. That we would be a church that's pleasing in the sight of God. That we would not be waiting for the approval of man or the opinion of man or the approval or opinion of anyone else to try to please anyone else. Because the moment that we want to please man, we have stopped pleasing God. And here we see that David wanted to be a man that was after God's own heart because his heart was desiring to please the Lord. Now in Psalms chapter 20, as those that we're going to read even tonight and this evening, they're very timely Psalms. They're timely Psalms. In fact, these are Psalms that we can look back later on in future seasons of our life and see, thank you Lord, because you took us through these seasons of change that were taking place around our world. And you use Psalms 20, 21, 22, and Psalms even 23 now to give us the peace that we need. Now I want to encourage you even tonight, maybe you feel the anxiety or the fear or the panic because of what's taking place, because of maybe what you're hearing around in our world, what you're seeing now, the things that, that the news are saying or the media outlets. But even tonight, as we read these Psalms, we're going to see that David traded, as he's running from his enemies, as he's, as he's uh, now being chased and running for his life, literally, that he's exchanging anxiety, he's exchanging fear and panic for promises, peace, and joy. Now tonight, we are going to do the same. And I'm going to invite you to do the same, that we would exchange the panic, the fear now, and the anxiety for the promises, for the joy, and for the peace that is in God. Can we do that? Let's go to Psalms chapter 20 and let's read because here he's going to now pray now with confidence that the Lord saves in Psalms 20. And then in Psalms 21 is the answer to prayer. Now Psalms 20 again, he's saying the Lord saves. And then in Psalms 21, we're going to see the joy in the salvation of God. <laughs> So it's almost as if one 
long psalm that is put together that David is saying, thank you, Lord, because I know that you save. And in Psalms 21, we're going to celebrate the salvation of what the Lord has done. You know that we can celebrate what God is doing, what God is going to do, the exciting times that we're living in. Now let's go to Psalms chapter 20. As we know that the Lord answers and the Lord saves. And then in Psalms 21, we're going to celebrate because God is going to save and He is good. Now Psalms 20, it says this. Think about how timely it is. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. <laughs> Circle that church in your Bible. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. Is there a day of trouble upon us? There is a day of trouble where we are feeling troubled. <laughs> Here he's saying, may the Lord answer you. He would answer what? Answer your prayer. More than ever, we need praying people today. Praying people that are crying out to God. And this is why it's saying, may the Lord answer your prayer in the day, with day, in troubling times, in troubling days. And it says, may the name of our God of Jacob defend you. May He send you help from this sanctuary. May not only He protect you and defend you, but He also send help. And the help that comes from the sanctuary. Now sanctuary, it's the place where the presence of God dwells, symbolic. May God send you help from His presence. Let's keep reading. And strengthen you out of Zion. Zion is also the place where the temple was at. Now notice what he's saying. May God give you deliverance or send you help from His presence. And may He give you strength from the place where His temple is at. I love this because David is teaching us to be men and women that are seeking for help and that are seeking for strength in the presence of God. Do you notice that? Now let's keep reading in verse 3. May He remember all of your offerings. May God remember every time you came. And, you, and not only did you give an offering uh, 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 of your resources, but an offering of your time, an offering of your heart as well, an offering of your life, it says. And accept your burnt sacrifice. May God here remember your devotion. May God remember your faithfulness. May God remember your commitment. Let's keep reading. This is an incredible psalm because this is all talking about the day of trouble. May God answer. May God strengthen. May God help. May God remember now. May He grant you, verse 4, according to your heart's desire and fulfill your purpose. Verse 4, He's saying, may God not only defend you, but also may He grant you or may He bless you according to what is in your heart. May He answer your prayer. May He bless your request now and fulfill your purpose and give you great success. Now I love this because what He's praying now, what the prayer is for the person in a troubled time is that they would feel fully supported by the Lord. That they would be filled fully sustained by the presence of God. Fully now being able to rely on the presence of God. And if we look at the first four verses, think about what he's asking for. May the Lord, number one, answer. May the Lord also defend. May the Lord send help. May the Lord remember your commitment and your devotion. And may He accept that, but also may He give you now. May He grant you. May He give you now. He's praying for God's intervention. 
And if there is ever a time where we ought to pray for God's intervention in our life, in our minds, in our hearts, in our church, and in our community, in our state, in our world, it is now, Lord, intervene, God. I need you to intervene in my life, in our situation. He's praying for God's intervention. And, and listen to what he says here in verse 4. Because he says, May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all of your plans. May he bless your plans. Now, we as a church should be praying this song. Lord, this is a day of trouble. Yes, we're going to be faithful, Lord. And as we move even our gatherings outdoor, maybe as people's needs in the body of Christ that are taking place, a physical, a, an emotional, Lord, a, a spiritual need. Lord, answer us in the day of trouble. Lord, send help. Lord, defend us in the day of trouble. Lord, also strengthen us from your presence, God. Remember our commitment. Remember our faithfulness unto you, Lord. But also, God, bless our plans. We want the Lord to bless these plans. That wherever we move, that we're moving in obedience to the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, we are asking for your blessing over these plans. And we ask that you would protect these plans and that you would protect us in those plans. This is incredible here. And it, not only does it say this, but it goes on, we will rejoice. Speaking of the future now, we will rejoice in your salvation. We know we're going to celebrate your salvation, God. In the name of our God, we will set up our banners. This is amazing. We literally are going to be setting up coverings and banners. <laughs> I love this here because it's saying, Lord, we're going to rejoice and we are going to shout in joy. The banner speaks of a victory. It's almost as someone came out in battle and they're raising their banner, banner of victory or a symbolic of a celebration of victory. And he's saying, he's saying here, Lord, we know that we're going to raise those banners of victory and we're going to celebrate, Lord, because we're going to lift up that banner in the name of God, and it's going to be a joyful celebration now. And look what he says, and may the Lord fulfill all of your petitions. He goes from the banners to the petitions. Now, I love how one commentator referred to the banners because he said this, our flags or our banners are our flags of defiance to the enemy. <laughs> they are our tokens of triumph to the glory of God who has given us victory. Isn't that amazing? That when you say we're going to lift up our banner, we're going to raise our banner in celebration and in song. Our banner is symbolic of defiance towards the enemy. And our banner is also a token of the sign of the victory and the glory of God because it is Him who has given it to us. We're going to raise our banners. And He also says in verse 5, also may the Lord also fulfill all of your petitions. Fulfill means may He answer your petitions. May He answer and give you your request. Now notice this. He goes from, in verse 4, He goes from your plans to your petitions. Lord, bless our plans. Answer our petitions. Lord, bless our plans. Answer our petitions. All of both of those go into the same place, and that is the place of prayer. Lord, we want you to bless our plans. Lord, we want you to answer our requests. Notice here in verse 4 and 5, it speaks to us very clearly that plans and petitions go together. Not only are we going to pray, but we're also going to plan. <laughs> and we want the Lord to answer our prayers, 
but we also want the Lord to bless the plans out of prayer. This is so amazing because I see our church doing this. We're moving in that direction. We are staying proactive. We are continuing to say, Lord, we're going to keep our eyes on you. We want you, Lord, to bless the plans. We want you, Lord, also, God, to, to answer our petitions as well. We know that those go together. And I want to encourage you in this season, as we step out, we're not stepping out indiv as individuals. We're stepping out together. And we want the Lord to answer our requests. So we're going to pray. We're also going to plan. And third here, this is where we all come together as well. And we're going to participate. Now I want you to write these words down because they are power words that here he's talking about in this song and in this psalm. We want to pray, we want to plan, and we want to participate. Whatever you're doing, Lord, in the body of Christ, I need to be a part of the body of Christ. I want to pray. I want to plan. But I also want to participate in what you're doing. And look what he goes on and he says in verse 6, Now I know, listen to this, this is just as we talked about on Sunday, he's confident in what he knows. I know that the Lord saves his anointed. I know that the Lord gives victory. He gives victory to his king. His anointed speaks about to his king or to that man and woman that is submitted to God, called by God, to his sent one. Here also it can mean to his Messiah. Think about how prophetic these psalms are. Speaking about the future, salvation, deliverance, final victory of the Messiah, Jesus. And it says here, saves His anointed. He answers Him from His holy heaven. With His saving strength of His right hand. God answers, but He does it with His mighty, powerful hand. Notice this. He does it with His mighty, powerful hand. Some trust in chariots. This is important. And some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. This is incredible here. There are often times that we trust in leaders. We trust in resources. We trust in maybe availability. We trust in manpower. But David said, but I'm going to trust in God's power. This is incredible. This is such a lesson for us. Even in the times that we're living in. There are times that we trust in a solution. A man's solution. Man's answers, man's resources, right? And, and when, when, when they give us the security, when they give us the, the sense of peace or the peace of mind, then we will now continue to live our lives as God has called us to live them. No, church, I want to encourage you, no, do not do that. God gives you the sense of safety. God gives you the peace of mind. It is in the Lord that you trust. You're not trusting in the chariot. We are not trusting in man's power or education or wisdom or knowledge we are trusting in who we're trusting in the lord we're not boasting in the power of man we are trusting and boasting in the power of god to save notice this is this is incredible here because he's talking about a person that is fully trusting in god and we need to ask ourselves a question tonight who are you trusting whose power do you rely on do you depend on to save manpower or God's power. And think about the outcome of those two different people. Those that trust in man's power. Look at, listen to this. They have bowed down and fallen. That's not what we're going to do. We're not going to bow down to anything else other than the Word of God. We are going to move wisely. And I want to encourage you in every situation in life, 
that you would rely on God's power. Because when we rely on man's power, think about what happens. It says when you rely on resources, we are going to fail. <laughs> We're going to run out. But when we rely on spiritual resources, we will never now run out. His spiritual resources, His presence is now overflowing. It's never ending now. It's never failing. They have bowed down and have fallen. But notice this. But we have risen and stand upright. Well, that we need men and women in the church that have risen, that are rising, that are standing upright right now, that are trusting in the Lord. We're going to trust in the power of God and therefore we know that we have risen. We're standing upright. We're standing in the way that God has called us to stand in. And he goes in verse 9, Save, look at the exaltation of the sovereign Lord. Lord, save us now. May the, may the King answer us when we call. You see that verse of worship in verse 9? Save, Lord. May the King answer us when we call. Now I want you to encourage you that in your home, you would spend time, dedicated time, protected time in prayer. Where you're saying, I'm going to block this time of prayer and no one's going to now interrupt this time. Because I want the Lord to intervene in my life. And therefore, I must be a man and woman of prayer so that the Lord answers my prayer and He gives me victory. Now He continues now in chapter 21 as the outcome of trusting in God. This is the outcome of trusting in God. Chapter 21, the continuation of Psalms 20 now. In 21, it says the Lord's outcome or the outcome, the joy of trusting God. Let's go ahead and read it here. It says, The king shall have joy in your strength, O Lord. Now he starts with this, joy. Not peace, not fear, but joy. You would ask yourself, how is it that I can have that joy in times like this? I'm praying, I'm wrestling, I'm asking God, but how can I have that joy? You know how you can have that joy when you say, Lord, I might not be in control, I might not have the answers, but I choose one thing, to rest, in knowing rest in knowing that you're in control. The problem sometimes on why anxiety oftentimes and worry and panic builds up, it's because we are scared of not being in control. But David has put the full control into the hands of God. And as he has done that, he's seen that the Lord's resources are unlimited. His power is there to protect, to provide and to answer. And out of all of that comes joy. Now notice, the king shall have joy in whose strength? Not his own strength, but in your strength. And he's going to look at past victories, and he's going to be filled with gratitude here. This is almost like a day of national thanksgiving now. <laughs> we had the day of national prayer in Psalms 20, the day of national thanksgiving now, Psalms 21. And notice what happens here. It says, I will rejoice in your salvation. How greatly shall he rejoice you have given him his heart's desire. Oh Lord, thank you. Because I prayed in chapter 20 and in chapter 21, you gave me my heart's desire, that desire that I prayed for, and you have not withheld the request of his lips. Think, isn't that what he prayed for? Bless my plans, answer my requests, Lord. For you have met him with blessings of goodness. I love this, church. I want you to know that as we go into the presence of God, you know what God is going to meet you with in His presence? He's going to meet you with, with a blessing of goodness. What is a blessing of goodness? You would ask yourself here, what is a blessing of goodness with rich blessings? Lord, I want these blessings, Lord. These blessings that, that are coming 
from you. Only listen to how he continues in verse 3. You have set a crown of pure gold upon his head. Lord, you have given me even pure gold upon my head. Lord, you've given me my heart's desires. You rewarded me. Lord, you've, you've given me honor now. That's the crown, the honor, a symbol of honor. You've given me honor, but you've met me with rich blessings. Now he's going to say, you've met me with goodness. I want you to remember that there are often times where we don't, we look around and we don't see anything good. And things change. But one thing that has not changed is that God is good. <laughs> when you're freaking out, when you're panicking, when oftentimes you don't know what's going to take place, remind yourself, write it down, God is good. He's remembering, God is good. You met me with goodness. Verse 4, He asked life from you. He's speaking about Himself here. And you gave it to Him, length of days forever and ever. His glory is great in your salvation, honor and majesty. You have placed upon Him. You have given Him salvation. You have given Him great honor, Lord, and great glory. Thank you, Lord. Verse 6, For you have made Him most blessed forever. You have made Him exceedingly glad in your presence. Lord, you have given me joy, but where is it? Notice this, with your presence. You want joy, and do you want gladness? Thank you, Lord, because you've given me these things, but look how He gave it to Him. He didn't give it to Him with resources. He give it, didn't give it to Him uh, in, in so much in circumstances. He gave Him now, or He received now, the blessings and the joy now with and in the presence of God. Those are the moments that you're going to feel the most peace in the presence. Thank you, Lord. Because I spent time in your presence. You gave me exceedingly great now joy. There are many of us that are oftentimes struggling with depression, discouragement. Run and take all of that into the presence of God. For the king, listen to this in verse 7. For the king trusts in the Lord. And through the mercy of the Most High, he shall not be moved. I'm not going to be shaken through your mercy, Lord. Because of your loving kindness. That word mercy, that's what it means. Because of your loving kindness, I'm going to trust you. I will not be moved. It speaks here, I'm not going to be shaken now. He's saying, I'm going to be stable and I'm going to be at peace because of your loving kindness. Today, Lord, we know that we can be stable and that we can have peace because of his loving kindness. Now, verse 8, think about it. He's talking about the Lord defending him in future victories. He looked in the past, but in the future, God, I know you're going to continue to do it. And it says here, your hand or the hand of protection of God will find my enemies and I can trust Him with my enemies. It says this, Your hand will find all of your enemies. Your right hand will find those who hate you. You shall make them as a fiery oven in the time of your anger. And the Lord shall swallow them up in His wrath. And the fire shall devour them. Notice here, in verse 8 and 9, He's talking about, Lord, I know you're going to handle the enemies. And you're going to do it from your powerful hand because I'm trusting in you. Verse 10 and 11, it says here, their offspring or even their descendants. It says here, you shall destroy from the earth and their descendants from among the sons of men for the intended evil against you. Their intention was evil and it was against you, Lord. 
You see how he has an eternal perspective and he knows that the final victory belongs to the Lord? They devised a plan, or they had a, a wicked plan that they were planning now, which they are not able to perform. They're not able to even do it. They're not able to accomplish their plan because, Lord, you are in control and you will not let them get away. Verse 12. Therefore, you will make them turn their back and you will make ready your arrows on your, on your string toward their faces. You are almost as going to prepare an arrow on a bow. And you're pulling that arrow back, Lord. You're preparing, Lord, to defend your name, to defend your glory. And you are going to handle the enemies. You will not let them get away or to prosper. Let's look at verse 13. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. O Lord, we worship you. Again, do you notice that he, he's worshiping God after every prayer? After every exaltation, worship and prayer must be united for a full devotional time in the Lord. That's why it's so amazing when you get into God's Word. I, I encourage you to maybe put some worship music on as well afterward or beforehand. And spend time in worship because he's looking up to the Lord and he's magnifying God. And he's saying, be exalted, Lord, in your own strength. Lord, be glorified, be magnified in your strength, the Lord. We will, look at this, sing it and praise your power. We are going to sing, but also we're going to praise your power. Thank you, Lord, because we can sing, but also we can praise your power. It's your power. Now in Psalms 22, as we now shift into this Psalms tonight, we're going to see that he's looking forward here and he's talking about the distress or the anguish, the suffering that he was under, undergoing. Because yes, he was a man after God's own heart, but he was going through some type of suffering. And, and in Psalms 22, it's a Messianic Psalm, which speaks about the future suffering of the Messiah. And if you see how he opens this Psalm, it's very prophetic now, because it speaks about the suffering of Jesus now. It speaks about the suffering of Christ now, even in the first few verses. Not only the suffering, but also the praise of the Messiah. So when we read Psalms 22, I want you to focus on this. The suffering of this Messiah, but also the praise for the Messiah. And we go here to verse 1 of Psalm 22. Listen to the words of Christ on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You think about how he felt alone, forsaken for fellowship, abandoned now in, in that fellowship that David believed that he had, but also these remind us of the words the cries of anguish of Christ on the cross, crying out with no rest. My Father, where are you when I need you? You see, Jesus Christ cried this out as He knew that the judgment and the wrath of God was upon the Son. As He inherited all the, the blame and the guilt and paid the price for our sins of all humanity's past, present, and future. And He cried out, Lord, why, Lord, are we separated right now? It was sin, it was the judgment that separated him from the fellowship with the Father during that moment. But let's keep reading here. It says, Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and I am not silent. Verse 2, look what it says, Lord, where is my Father when I need Him? But you are holy and throne in the praises of Israel. Lord, I know that you are on the throne. I know you're on the throne. I might feel in anguish, I might be in despair, but you're on the throne, God. In the praises of Israel, our fathers trusted in you, they trusted in you, and you delivered them. He's reminding himself, Lord, in the past, 
You've been on the throne and, and in the past we've seen your deliverance. We have trusted you and we've seen how you have, Lord, delivered us. But verse here, verse 4 and 5, it says they cried out to you and they were delivered. They trusted in you and they were not ashamed. We thank you, Lord, because you can deliver us. Even in the moments of anguish, think about the Messiah's deliverance, how God delivered him. Right? What was the deliverance of the Messiah? The resurrection as we know it. Let's keep reading here in Psalms chapter 22, verse 6. But I am a worm. Look what he speaks about now. David as how he's feeling now. He was despised by people. Who was also despised by people? Who was rejected by people? A reproach of man and despised by the people. All those who see me, they ridicule me. Notice how he's talking about this now. He's insulted and he's mocked. He said, listen to this Messianic psalm. It says, they shoot at me out of the lip and they shake their heads saying, he trusted in the Lord and let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Do you remember the cries out that people were saying, well, if he trusted in the Lord, if he was able to raise from the dead, why don't you come from that cross? Or is he crying out to Eli to save him right now when the Lord said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Insulted, rejected, asking the Lord. All right, they mock. Let's see if the Lord's going to deliver him now. This is all the story of the Messiah's suffering. Now listen to what's going to take place. He trusts in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. These are the mockings. But in verse 9, all the verse to verse 21, what he's going to say is, You are my creator. You are in control. Notice this. But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while in my mother's breast now. I was cast down upon you from birth and from my mother's womb. And you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Lord, help me. There is none to help me, God. I know you have been with me since creation. You created me, and since the time I was in my mother's womb, you have been there to protect me. I think it's so amazing. What a picture now. Here we always, we, we must remember that even, even from the mother's womb, God was there to protect. Many bulls have surrounded me, and he feels that he's being overpowered and surrounded. And strong bulls of Basham have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like raging and roaring lions. He now refers to the enemy as a strong as a bull and as scary as a lion. <laughs> you see how overwhelmed he has felt now? His enemies surround him. No one else can help him. But at verse 14, I'm poured out like water now. Poured out like water speaks about anguish. And his strength is gone. He's empty. Poured out like water, I am empty. I'm empty now. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melting. It is melted within me. My strength, it is dried up like a pot, uh, like a pot shirt. And my tongue clings to my jaw. You have brought me now to the dust of the earth. Lord, I feel like I'm close to death. I feel like there's no hope. Now notice how David is, is praying this so desperate but so ready to hear an answer now. Overwhelmed. For dogs have surrounded me. Listen to this. And the, the, the congregation of the wicked enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Now think about this. Who surrounded the Lord? And what did they do to the Lord at the cross? They pierced what? His hands and His feet. I love this that the Bible is so prophetic and so true. 
that we cannot ever doubt the validity, the credibility of the Word of God, that it is infallible. It speaks about the Messiah here hundreds of years before the Messiah was born and was to die on the cross for our sins. And this is the suffering of the Messiah. It says, they pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look at me and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. What did they do for the garments of Christ? Didn't they cast lots, roll dice, and said, who's going to keep his garments? The Roman soldiers? Think about how this is correlating. I count all my bones. What does it mean I count all my bones? Not one of my bones is broken. This is amazing. In the cross, not one of the bones of Jesus was broken. In fact, when the Roman centurion would come and make sure that the death was final on those that were crucified, he would come and he would break the legs of the person that was hanging on the cross so that they would not have strength to push themselves up and breathe as they were hanging on the cross. So they would suffer and die from suffocation. But when they went to Jesus and they found out that he was already dead from the scourging and from the beating and from the crucifixion, they said, no, he, he's already dead. It's not necessary to break his bones, which was prophetic in Psalms and in Isaiah that not one of his bones would be broken, but he would be pierced in his hands and his feet, but also where? In his side. So they came and they pierced his side and blood and water came out, which is a sign of a raptured heart now, medically. <laughs> and that's exactly why Jesus was at the cross, because of a raptured heart for the world. Think about that. This is incredible here in Psalms chapter 22. Now one bone was broken, and they pierced his hands and his feet. They look and stare at me. Think about the picture of the cross. They divide my garments among them, and my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Lord, help me now. Help me, Lord. Be there. Save me quick now. Deliver me from the sword. Look at it as he continues now. My precious life from the power of the dog, save me from the lion's mouth, mouth and from the horns of the wild ox. Lord, save me from my enemy. But notice how he's going to go on and he say, Lord, thank you because you've answered me. Thank you because of what you've done for me. And because you've given me that final victory, I will praise you. I will proclaim it. I will sing because of what you've done. And notice in verse 21 at the end, you have answered me. <laughs> there is hope. After the cross, the stone was rolled away. And Jesus came out. The Lord, you've answered me. There's hope. Now notice here. I will declare because of what he's done. Verse 22. I will declare your name to my brethren. I'm going to go to sing praises in the midst. I want you to pay attention here, church now. Because of what he did for us. Because of what he's done for you right now. Because of... How He has saved you, because of how He's healed you, because of how He's delivered you, because of how He's provided for you, because of how He's opened those doors, because His hand is upon you. I will declare your name to who? To my brethren. I'm going to go praise you to the believers in the brethren. Notice that. I'm going to proclaim you to my brethren. Notice where? In the midst of the assembly. Now, a lot of people, man, why are you so now persistent in meeting together. <laughs> Didn't the psalmist teach us? Doesn't the Bible teach us? Praising God for what He has done now. Proclaiming Him to who? To the brethren, to, in, to the church, to the believer, to the brother, to the sister. I'm going to proclaim, I'm going to declare to the brethren, and I'm going to do it in the midst, in the midst, in the middle now of the assembly. It's so important 
to assemble, to gather, and to now proclaim now. Notice how he says this. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. I'm going to sing loud. In the middle of the assembly, as we gather together as brethren, I don't care if it's indoors, I don't care if it's outdoors. <laughs> you who fear the Lord, praise Him. You who fear God, you fear God, praise Him. Praise Him in the assembly if you fear God. Now, if you fear man, you're not going to praise Him. <laughs> but if you fear the Lord because of what He's done, praise Him. This is so important. All will worship Him. It says, praise Him. All your descendants of Jacob glorify Him and fear Him. All of you offspring of Israel, everyone fear Him. For he has despised because of his goodness. He has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. He's not looked away from those that were poor and needy. God has been there to answer them. His, he's been so good. Nor he has hidden the face from him who cried out to him and he heard. He never heard his, he hid his face. He always answered now. And it says, my praise shall be of you in the great assembly. Again, I'm going to praise you where? In the great assembly, at church, in the gathering, I'm going to praise you, Lord. Listen to what he's saying here. This is, this is incredible. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. I'm going to show my faithfulness even before those or in the presence of those that fear him. Church, I pray that these verses, you highlight, you underline, that they encourage you in times like the time that we're living in to make the most effort to assemble. Now, uh, oftentimes, we are going to be maybe faced with difficult circumstances where we cannot assemble. But as long as we can, that we would. <laughs> Let us assemble. Church, assemble now. It says, those who fear Him, I'm going to pay my vow. I'm going to go pay my vow. I can stay home, but I'd rather go pay my vow. I fear God more than I fear anyone else. I'm going to pay my vow before everyone else, before those who fear Him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek Him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. We're going to live forever. We're going to praise the Lord. We're going to rejoice in our relationship with the Lord. All the ends of the earth. Notice how he, He's praising the Lord here from verse 27 to 31. So remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations shall worship before Him. For the kingdom is the Lord's and the, He rules over them, over the nations. Notice all the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship and all those who go down to the dust shall bow before him even he who cannot keep himself alive every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is lord i don't care who it is he's saying everyone all will know it is him who deserves and is worthy and they will confess worship all a prosperity or posterity shall serve him generations in the future will serve him it will be recounted to the lord of the next generation even the next generation is going to serve they will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this notice who has done this he has done this we're going to praise the lord because he has done this i think about the nation of israel no matter what happened they praise the lord because he had done it and it says here they will come and declare are you going to come and declare they will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. What an example you get to give to your children, to the next generation. What an example you can give to your grandchildren of bringing them to church and saying, we're going to come and we're going to declare preparing the next generation. If you are not preparing the next generation, your children and your grandchildren for what's going to come, the cost 
is very costly. The price, it is costly. We must prepare, bring them, come to church with us. And let's declare together. Now, Psalms 23 is a Psalms that we recently went through. And we're going to go through it really quickly in six verses. But we're going to approach it very differently because it talks about the covenant names of God. Seven covenant names of God. I want to go through them very quickly with you. In Psalms 23, and you're going to love this, because we learned that Psalms 23 is Jehovah Roy. The Lord is my shepherd. But we're going to see how the Lord shepherds us in every season. And it means so much more to us today than it ever has because He gives us safety in times of trouble now. Do you need rest today? Do you need care? Do you need comfort? It's the shepherd. And if you follow Him and if you trust Him now, He's going to meet every one of your needs. I want you to know that. He's going to meet every one of your needs. So we're going to go to, to the seven covenant names, Hebrew names of the Lord, Jehovah now, and how David knew Him and throughout the Old Testament is supported now the name of God. Now notice here, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I want nothing. I'm complete. I'm satisfied. I'm fulfilled. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd right now. Now notice in Psalms 23, it, it, that verse 1 is the theme of that psalm and everything else rides on that theme. Everything else is a response to verse 1. If the Lord, if He is my master, then He is my shepherd and my shepherd cares for me. My shepherd feeds me. My shepherd feeds me and leads me and takes care of my enemies. He protects me now. But it says here, the Lord is my shepherd. Now the Lord here is my shepherd is Jehovah Roy. Notice this. Number one, the first covenant name of God is He is my shepherd. He leads me. He cares for me. He's Jehovah Roy. But notice here, there's another name for the Lord here in verse 1. I shall not want. It reminds us not only of Jehovah Roy, but also it reminds us here in verse 1 of Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> Jehovah Jireh. The Lord who provides. I lack nothing. He provides everything. Jehovah Roy. He's my shepherd. Jehovah Jireh. He provides. In, in Genesis chapter 22, we learn that covenant name of the Lord. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord who provides. And notice here as we keep reading verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters. Notice this. He guides me. He makes me lie down. He gives me rest. And He gives me peace. Verse 2, He gives me rest. And He gives me peace. Now, still waters, notice this please, talks about peace. That word peace reminds us of another covenant name of the Lord. Jehovah Shalom. In Judges chapter 6, verse 24, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my Jehovah Roy, He's my shepherd, He leads me, guides me, protects me. He's my Jehovah Jireh, He's going to provide for me. He's my Jehovah Shalom, He's going to give me peace. Now notice this verse 3 now, He restores my soul, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Now notice here, and He now restores my soul. It talks about healing. It talks about He healed me from being backslidden. He healed me physically. He healed me spiritually. He healed me now emotionally. That's what it means to restore. But a healing that comes to your soul. He's giving me healing to my soul. He revives me. 
from being backslidden. Now, the Lord who restores or the, the Lord who heals reminds us of the covenant name of the Lord, Jehovah Rafi. Jehovah Rafi. In Exodus 15, now 26, it's Jehovah Rafi. We learn that name, which is the Lord who heals. He heals us. He heals our soul. Jehovah Roy, he's my shepherd. Jehovah Jireh, he's my provider. Jehovah Shalom, he's my peace. Jehovah Rafi, he's my healer. I love this. Look, think about all the names that you can think about that God is going to carry you with in this season. But it says also, he leads me in the path of righteousness. Now what does that mean? He leads me in the path of righteousness. He leads me along the right path, the Lord. He leads me in righteousness. He leads me in truth, bringing honor to His name. And in verse 3, we learn the name of Jehovah now, who guides us, or the Lord who is our righteousness, who guides us in that right path. Jehovah to Sid Canoe. <laughs> That's a tricky one to say, but it's an amazing name. Jehovah to Sid Canoe. The Lord is my righteousness. I stand on Him. He guides me in the right path. He guides me in truth. He is my truth. Jehovah to Sid Canoe. Jehovah Roy. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rafi, Jehovah Tesid Canoe. Verse 4, let's read it now. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I'm going through a season of the valley of the shadow of death, but you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff of, of a shepherd, what does it do? It brings in the sheep. It protects the sheep. It comforts the sheep. But notice this. Even though I go through this season, notice it's the word through, because it's just a season. Even though I'm, I'm going through this season, I know that the Lord is there. Another covenant name of God. Let me give it to you really quick. Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. Even when I'm going through it, the Lord is there. He's there. Judges 6, 24 tells us that the Lord with His rod, with His staff, with His discipline here of Psalms 23 that He's teaching about, the, 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 the staff that comforts, the staff that protects, reminds us that the Lord is there. Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. Know this church right now, the Lord is here. In your situation, the Lord is there. Now notice verse 5. You prepare a place for me, before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a place before me, a place in the presence of my enemies. You know what that speaks about? That the Lord prepares a place. The Lord is our comfort. The Lord is He who is the one that gives us now that place. He gives us that victory in the presence of our enemies. We talked about this in an earlier psalm. A place means a victory in the presence of our enemies. The Lord, notice here, in the first half of verse 5, another covenant name of God, the Lord is our banner. I love that. Today, raise that banner of the Lord. Jehovah Nisi. <laughs> Jehovah Nisi, He's my banner. From Exodus 17, 15. The Lord is my banner. Not only He's my shepherd, He's my provider, He's my peace, He's also there, but He's also my banner. He's healing me along the way, and He's my banner. He gives me victory now. And notice in the second half of verse 5, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. You anoint my head, speaks about a now anointing now of the Lord, His presence of the Lord now, of the Lord who sanctifies now. Lord, you sanctify me. You give me victory and you sanctify me. Notice that. Another covenant name of God, you sanctify me. The Lord who sanctifies from Leviticus 20 verse 8, Jehovah Kadesh. 
Jehovah Kadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. And as we finish, surely, the word surely means only, only, write the word only, goodness and mercy. Only the goodness and mercy. The goodness and mercy is almost like the sheep dogs of the shepherd that bring in the sheep. Only goodness and mercy, only goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Where is he going to dwell? <laughs> Come in the house of God. I want to be in the house of God forever, in the presence of God forever. Despite my sinful failures, I'm going to be followed by the goodness and the mercy of God. I'm going to be followed by it forever. He was followed by the goodness of, of God. He was followed by the goodness of God because he was himself following the Lord in the Lord's house. I want to be followed by the goodness of God. I want you to be followed by the goodness of God. Remember this of Psalms 23 as we end and wrap up. Then number one, the Lord is your shepherd. He is your Jehovah Roy. In this season, He is your Jehovah Roy. He is your shepherd. Then number two, He's also your provider. He's my Jehovah Jireh. In this season, He's going to provide for you any type of need. Any type of need, He's going to provide for you. He's my Jehovah Shalom. He's my peace. The Lord is my peace. Thank you, Lord, because you are our peace during these seasons. But also, Lord, we thank you because you're Jehovah Rafi. You are the Lord who heals. Not only are you my peace, but you are the one that heals. Lord, you are my Jehovah Tisid Canoe. You are my righteousness, Lord. You gave me in the right path. You guide me, Lord, to Sirkanu. Lord, you also are Jehovah Shema. You are the Lord who is there. And when you are there, you're Jehovah Nisi. You are the one that gives me victory. The Lord is my banner. And maybe, Lord, as I get there into your house and you anoint my head with oil, you are Jehovah Kadesh. You're the Lord who sanctifies. I want you to just go back and read that song. And ask yourself, which name of the Lord can I hold on to today? Can I, is, it, is it Jehovah J Roy? Is it Jehovah Jireh? Is it Jehovah Shalom? Or Jehovah Rafi? Maybe it's Jehovah Tzid Canoe. Oh, Lord, maybe it's Jehovah Shammah. He's there. Maybe it's Jehovah Nisi. He's my banner and my victory. Maybe today, He's revealing Himself in your life as Jehovah Kadesh. He's the one that sanctifies. Why don't we pray right now, church? Let's ask the Lord that He would do a work in our lives. Lord, we thank You, Jesus. We thank You, Lord, for every covenant name that You've given to us of who You are. We ask so that You would continue to manifest Yourself. We love You, Jesus. And we pray, God, You do a mighty work in Your church. Thank You, because Your covenants are manifested through your promises, through your word.